We're so excited to spend some time with you today on the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. And I am Rhonda. And it's our hope that you would feel like we are with you wherever you are right now, having a real life conversation about life in all its beauty and in all its mess. We believe that God wants to open our eyes to an awakening moment that will help us thrive in every part of our being. So we invite you on this adventure with us as we listen, learn, and grow together. Well, I thought today we could start with a real light topic of um, the theology of suffering. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what's really funny? As I make a sarcastic comment, my kids always make fun of me because they say I cannot do sarcasm. Like when I try, they're like, was that sarcastic? Were you trying to be sarcastic there? I'm actually not a sarcastic person at all. So occasionally if I drop a sarcastic line, my kids actually think I'm being like serious. And I'm like, guys, that was sarcastic. Well, listen, you're a good company because I'm known as not the funny parent. So I, I'm not good at sarcasm or humor, I you guess. Don't do, you don't, oh, you're not even well, funny? I, I, I oh, I'm pretty funny. I'm just not sarcastic. No, I'm not. I guess I'm not funny. I'm not even funny. I try. <gasps> do you try to drop a joke every once in a while? Yeah, and they'll, and they'll make a big deal like, wow, mom made it funny. And I'm like, seriously? What? Oh, my god. Because Jay is so, like, he uh, yes. is much more of a goofball, yes, like, yes. and funny and lighthearted. So he tends to do, like, the crazy stuff, you know, like that's hilarious pretend he's falling and for me i don't do those things so they're like mom you're not the funny parent i'm like what i'm kind of funny like, i'm not i'm not that much of a deadbeat anyway hilarious so so funny you're not Anyways, sarcastic but yeah. i'm not even funny so. i can't drop a i can't drop a sarcastic <laughs> i can't line. either no one knows <laughs> but i am serious i do think we should talk about this because you know even around suffering you know and and just understanding it even scripturally like what as believers, you know, we're promised all of these things. We're promised abundant life and joy and the fruit of the spirit. And all of that is so wonderful and good. And then you also see, you know, you come to church and you see Christians, you see the body of Christ together and everyone's smiling and looks so happy and they look like they have no problems. But yet the reality is there's a lot of suffering in the world. There's a lot of suffering in people's individual lives and stories. There's a lot of suffering around the world. I mean, suffering that is unimaginable, unimaginable. And like, how do we reconcile all that together? Mm. How do we reconcile that? You know, and I, th- I think we should unpack, you know, the story um, that we find in John 11 of Lazarus and Mary and Martha and just even their suffering and what that looks like and just just maybe unpack this as a conversation today i think that would be great and it is a loaded story yeah it's a pretty loaded story and we're just talking this out because honestly this is a story i really really love and i actually just want to say something before you dive into yeah, the story please the truth is that you know anything we talk about on the podcast especially <laughs> as we're unpacking the word of god like we are you doing a disclaimer here i am i'm doing a <laughs> disclaimer I'm feeling it like i feel like i feel like you know Everything comes through our own flawed lens. Do you know what I mean? Of how we're trying to understand God and how we're trying to understand the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But we do it, everyone, everyone on earth, all of humanity, even the greatest theologians, we do it through a flawed like filter because we don't understand what unconditional love is. We don't understand unconditional grace. We've never experienced it ourselves towards other people yes we've experienced it from god to us but we can't fully ever grasp 
like the totality of what Jesus did and why he did it and even represented in explaining it. So that's my disclaimer as we even dive into this very, very, very sensitive subject that I never want anybody to feel like their suffering is like belittled or diminished in any way or that we've done a poor job representing even the love of God in the midst of suffering because I just I know it won't be it will be flawed it will be flawed so I just want to say that up front but we will do our best in our understanding knowing and recognizing that that's flawed mm-hmm. as we represent you know what we how we understand the scriptures around this very 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 sensitive topic no that is so good because suffering is something that is extremely extremely um difficult to even talk about and personal and personal because the levels of suffering and what suffering does cause and what it brings and the different ramifications it's it's a deep deep place and so exactly we're not minimizing as we talk about this we're just bringing a portion of what suffering is in the story because there is suffering in the story of Lazarus so Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha and we've seen Mary and Martha throughout other scriptures in the Bible and the Gospels and they were all followers of Jesus and loved him deeply and they do believe also that this is Mary it says Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and washed them with her hair we read about that story so that's the Mary in this story and Lazarus is her brother and and the, and, and Mary and Martha in an earlier story were the ones that Mary sat at his feet and Martha yes. was busy doing all the preparations and came to Jesus and said can you tell my sister to help? To help? I'm, I'm do, doing all of this work. I'm preparing all this meal for all of you by myself. Like, can you tell her to help? And Mary, Mary rebukes her and says, no, no, Mary has chosen what is better in this moment. And so again, Mary and Martha, here they come back in this story. Yes. But often Martha kind of gets this. She gets a bad rap. A bit of a bad rap because <laughs> of that story, right? Because Jesus yeah. rebukes her and Mary chooses the better way. So yeah. it's interesting as we go into this story, the, the, the background of that. But you know what's so interesting? I remember hearing a message like, don't be a Martha. Be a Mary, not a Martha. I'm like, poor Martha. Like her whole life, she would devote, like devoted herself to Christ. And her heart was to make things beautiful. It's just tying into the scripture because we're going to see. And I think we'll talk about suffering. We're also going to talk about moments and pockets that we can miss because in that first story that you've alluded to with Mary and Martha is Jesus teaching Mary's at his feet absorbing and Martha's heart is to honor God but she gets busy and misses the moment of receiving what Jesus had for her instead of getting busy in the serving and preparation she missed the moment of receiving and I think that's a really important part of our spiritual journey that we always come to that place of Jesus feet to receive because we can't do without receiving we can't give what we haven't received and it's that fresh impartation we need every day and Mary was choosing that she saw the moment and she was pulling all that she could from Jesus but Mary was busy preparing it's so powerful because i think what jesus is addressing in that story is he's addressing the motive exactly. he's not addressing what martha's doing because exactly. hospitality is a spiritual gift and it's a way that we love the body of christ it's a way that we express god's love to other people and it's beautiful but if the motive is busyness if the mm-hmm. motive or if it's pride or if the motive is even distraction like if the motive is wrong then we can miss what god has and i love how you said you know jesus has something for us to receive and when we first receive what jesus has for us or what the holy spirit has for us then we can actually step into the gift in empowerment and then in the fullness of how it was designed to be shared 
you're going to have that expression in the body of Christ mm -hmm. and in the world. But if we do it from the wrong motive, we could outwardly look exactly the same, but inwardly there's a completely different sort of a fruitfulness that mm. comes out of that. And so I love Jesus always addresses the heart. It's never the external. So he's not rebuking Martha because she's being hospitable. That's a beautiful thing and a gift of the spirit, but he's rebuking probably the timing mm -hmm. and the motive because if she would have taken time just to sit at Jesus's feet, there would have been more than enough time for her and Mary to go and do the preparation, you know, afterwards. And who knows, maybe everybody else would have helped and all of it would have gotten done. It all would have gotten done. But again, in that moment, for whatever reason, she was caught up, busy, distracted, and the motive was wrong. And the motive actually produced jealousy. Mm -hmm. The motive produced a sort of resentment that was building up, which is that, like none of that is part evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so again, Jesus wants us to step into those gifts, but he wants us to do it once we've received the empowerment of the spirit, which I, that that's really, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And such a good reminder for us. So it's not just about what you do, but it's about how you're going about doing that. And are you first posturing yourself to receive and then out of that place, giving what has already been given to you. And that's what Mary chose in that mm. moment. And that's a great reminder for all of us. Mm. But Martha also has a shining moment in this story she too. Does. And, and I we love that. And we don't often talk about this moment of Martha because Mary sees the moment with Jesus as his feet and, and Martha missed it out of busyness. She missed that pocket, that moment of what Jesus had for her. And that's why he rebuked her. It's better that you sit here and receive. So here we go now. We move forward into John 11. And Jesus is given word that Lazarus is sick. And so the two sisters have sent a message to Jesus. They had seen him heal. They're his followers. They, like, they've been with him. Yes. They've been watching him heal like the multitudes, heal person after person, whoever comes to him. I mean, I mean, literally, there are some portions of scripture where it says that Jesus healed everyone, everyone. So anybody who comes in faith ready, they know, like they know and they believe mm. he can do it. Mm -hmm. So they send word. They do. And then Jesus gives a promise that Jesus, he says, Lazarus sickness was not end in death. He says this when he hears about it, but he says, but it happened for the glory of God. So the son of God will receive glory from this. But this is a really critical scripture. I think we can hang on right here. It says, I love the words of this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Isn't that powerful? So al mm. although Jesus knows he's going to heal, he's making a, a prophetic declaration. He's going to, it won't end in death. Like Lazarus is going to be healed. Like he's going to, it won't, he won't end in death. He said, but he, although he loved Mary and Martha, his heart, he loved them deeply. He stayed where he was. Mm. And we go on to find out through, as we read through that Lazarus dies, he actually dies. Right. And so because Jesus did not go at that time right. and heal him, Lazarus dies and Mary and Martha enter into a deep grieving and suffering season because Jesus stayed where he was and did not move in the timeline that they were hoping. That's why they're sending word. Like Lazarus is sick. We'll get Jesus to come. It'll all be good. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to take care of it. Mm -hmm. He's going to solve this. We know we've seen him raise people from the dead. He can heal anything. Aren't we know it? Let's just get Jesus here yeah. and all will be well. And it says, although Jesus loved them, he stayed where he was wow. and Lazarus dies Wow! and suffering. He allows suffering 
to mix into the story. Right. So right. How many how many times can we actually relate to the kind of that set of circumstances wow. that like whatever whatever the circumstances for anybody, you know, whether it's the loss of a loved one, just like uh, Martha and Mary, whether it's um, a diagnosis that comes on, whether it's ongoing suffering um, of pain or illness or uh strife in a relationship or marital strife or I mean the list goes on and on financial cir- circumstances like the 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 amount of abuse or suffering that happens and like you know could we place ourselves in that story that this has happened and you know we take time to pray and we send word we give word to Jesus that this is happening this is the reality and he says and he puts your name in there like he loves you by name and he says your name, but there's a waiting. There's a waiting. You don't see the response right away. I mean, how much, how often, how many times have we lived in this exact part of the story in this tension of waiting where, Absolutely. you know, and I think sometimes in that part, we forget that he loves us. We actually forget. We actually associate the fact that we're not seeing the miracle we're not seeing the healing we're not seeing the transformation as like maybe he doesn't love me maybe he's not with me but it's not true it's not true in this moment now would mary and martha know that no because they weren't with him they they weren't with him he didn't say that to them he's saying that although he loved them he stayed where he was and there was a period of waiting and there was a period of suffering so it really is like can we trust in the timing of god can we trust in the sovereignty of God in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our pain? I mean, that's not easy. It's that's so not powerful. Easy, but it's a beautiful promise that he loves you by he name. Loves you. Like he loves you by name in that space. And I, yeah, I just, I, I personally want to just grab hold of that. Isn't that so beautiful that, that he named. wrote that? Yes, and they're named. And he says, although he loved like he loved, like he prefaces. Yeah. So you think about like, even if we were even to take this right now in our own life, he pro- he gives a prophetic declaration of what he's going to do. Yes. When Lazarus died, that looked the opposite of yes. what Jesus was going to do. Yes. But when we read the scriptures, we can hold fast to the promises of what God has said. Yes. There's tons of promises of God. He will make them to pass. But in the delay, we can feel like God perhaps doesn't love us or is it with us that's right his delay means he doesn't love us actually that's not the case we now can hold fast to the promises of god and because he loves us we can know that he's with us but this is exactly that whole tension that we feel yeah so isn't that just so beautiful and he stays where he is and he allows them to go through immense grief and suffering and by the time jesus arrives Lazarus has been dead four days. So think of the excruciating pain that Martha and Mary, Jesus knowing that they will be going, allowing this to happen, his ones that he loved so deeply, he was allowing them to grieve deeply for four days. That's pretty, that's pretty profound. Yeah. That suffering, like this happened. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he allowed the suffering. Yeah. He allowed the delay and he was going to do something extraordinary. They didn't know when. And we don't know when in our story. We know God's promises. He will fulfill his promises. But there was that season of waiting. So so we go on to say, like, this is where I love, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about suffering, but what I do love about this shining moment, I just want to kind of skip forward a little bit because we've just talked about Mary Martha. 
this is really powerful. So when Jesus is coming, so when we just pick it up, we're, t- we're picking up in John 11, and this is verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had been dead already in the grave for, 40, for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. I love that. So Martha gets where Jesus is coming. They both have sent word. Jesus delayed. Now she knows he's coming. She goes out to meet him. There's no delay in her. She goes running to Jesus. And when she goes out to meet him, um, she, but okay, sorry. So it says when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But what does Mary do? Mary stayed in the house. Mary stays in the house. She gets caught in her grief in her suffering in the first story mary's caught in she misses the moment with busyness and mary pulls on the moment here martha fully embraces the moment she goes and she pours or she goes up to meet jesus yes and mary gets caught in her suffering and misses the moment right interesting we don't often pick up that piece no and martha says to jesus lord if you'd only been here my brother would not have died so she pours out her heart she pours out this like disappointment like why did you delay really in other words you could have done this you could have done this where were you we called out to you we told you he was sick You've healed, imagine how they would have felt. Like you've healed all these strangers. Yeah. Like I think as a human, I'm putting myself in the story. This is not in the Bible here. No, no, no. Putting yourself in the story. They had watched him heal strangers, like walk into a town. I mean, he said, um, you know, he would say to some people, your servant is healed. And he wasn't even with them. Yeah. He wasn't even with them. They were somewhere else and they were healed. Yeah. Or, you know, your daughter is well and she'd be well and and he he didn't he wasn't even there he wasn't even present he could have literally in a word where he was said Lazarus said <laughs> Lazarus like and they knew this they knew yeah. this because this is like they'd experienced this firsthand they'd seen it and experienced it firsthand so yeah so imagine I'm the tensions you. of that I'm with you understanding that I'd be like what like you love us these are this is like we're your inner circle yeah we've How? been faithful to you we have followed you we've left everything like w- even ridiculed probably and they didn't know Jesus was a Messiah. No. Like they have been ridiculed. Who knows what their stories were like following Jesus. Yep. And here they're like, so even in that four days, imagine the grief would have been this overwhelming grief that Lazarus has died, but the overwhelming grief, like Jesus has abandoned us. He didn't yeah. show up. Yeah. And I think we can relate to that when yeah. things happen. God, I, I followed you. I'm a Christian. I've been praying about you. Where are you? Not only is this so devastating that this has happened, but how have you allowed this to happen? I, You love me. This is not supposed to happen like this. This is not your promise. This is not feeling loved. You've abandoned. I'm sure the abandonment, the pain of Jesus, where were you? Why did you let this happen? And I feel like this is such an intimate story. And this is actually our journey. This is actually how life is lived out. And, but the thing is so interesting is at the, but her second part is, but even now, I love those transition words, Oh, but even now, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And that's the key though. That's the key in the tension. Like that is the key. It's those like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego moments of like, I believe that God is going to provide for me. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't. Like those butt moments, those are the difference between 
like what gives our suffering meaning it does it does because if we don't put god if we don't put jesus over our suffering over our circumstance over the outcome if we don't put him over then we actually just get stuck in the circumstance in all the pain in all the resentment in all the bitterness it eats us up it rules us as opposed to jesus being lord over our suffering and always rising always rising to that but even if you don't i know you're faithful i know you can i know you love me which is why that earlier statement of personalizing Jesus loved and put your name in there. That revelation that in the midst of your pain, Jesus loved Julie and Dawn and Jessica and Darlene. And your name is in there. That's Jesus saying that to you in your circumstance. Like that's that's what we have to grab hold of in suffering. If we want to come out on the other side from a fruitful place. Otherwise, we just get swallowed up by the suffering, which is exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to take advantage of us in suffering, where Jesus literally wants to elevate us to himself, not the outcome, but to himself, to what is possible. Because ultimately, all things are going to be redeemed. All things are going to be made new. And we have to contend in the waiting. Lord, that is so powerful. We're preaching this morning. I feel like so good. Honestly, this depth of revelation when you're just reading this scripture and unpacking it, it's going deep. Like even as you're talking, like I'm feeling like some awakening moments in my own spirit of how I can look back in my own seasons of wrestling things out or suffering in my own journey. Disappointments. Does it could be even great disappointments great unfulfilled dreams or that didn't work out the way I wanted to or that door opened only to close what in the world that seemed like a miracle and then it closed it seemed like you opened a door and then it closed how how what do I do with all of that yeah like this is this is exactly the tensions we live in we live in these chapters this is this is life right here because yeah. even Jesus said to his disciples before he left in this world you're gonna have trouble but then he says but once again there's that one that word but, but. take heart yeah take heart i've overcome the world and we go on to see in martha like you know mary is in the house caught suffering like Mar martha steps out and goes to jesus brings her suffering to jesus and like you're saying but then she elevates who jesus is and what he's able to do above the circumstance martha is caught in the home or mary yeah i mean sorry mary is caught in the home and then guess what happens after that martha has a beautiful exchange with jesus here you know and him saying like i'm the resurrection and the life you know whoever believes in me and she goes on to say i know you're the messiah the son of god like she's recognized a deity she's recognizing who he is and the lordship a beautiful moment where she's recognizing that you are you've come into this world from god and she returns to mary like hope fills her heart like in the midst, Lazarus is still dead here. So let's just understand like Lazarus still is not alive. She, he's still dead. And she's, then she goes to Mary and what does she do? She takes her aside. So Mary and Martha once again collide in this moment. In the beginning, you know, there's a little bit of a wrestle, a fight, a competitiveness and a resentfulness. And here Martha is filled with renewed hope. She goes back into the house, pulls Mary aside from the from the mourners and says, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. Like, even though she's in the house, Jesus is like, I see you. <laughs> I see you in your house. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, 
So isn't that beautiful? Because we're not always so running. Sometimes we're stuck in the house, right? Totally. And Jesus still sees us there too, he and sees calls, us, calls us, calls out, call, draws us out of that space, even when we can't see him yeah. above our pain. Like he he draws us from that space. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's so hope filled. I know. Whether you're you're Martha and you're angry. Or whether you're Mary and you're just like sucking your thumb in the corner, like literally yeah. like overcome, like overcome. Jesus calls both. He loves both so deeply, so profoundly and meets us exactly where we're at. Like, oh, so powerful. I know. I just love that. And so and then it goes on about the story of Lazarus. And we we know the story that he comes back back to life. Jesus calls him out. I love that word. Lazarus come forth. He comes out even with his stinky grave cloths. They have clothes. They have to think four days. He'd been in a hot tomb when you're in Israel, like in a tomb. Like there's no like stuff happening here. What's called uh, when they do your body up. Oh, embalming. embalming. (laughs) There's not a, like they just put ointment on, they wrap you up. Like you're in this, like he'd been rotting in there for four days. And even the stench of pulling back the stone, like it's, it's quite something. And even Martha, like as they're pulling, he says, roll the stone. Martha even said, is like protest is saying, Lord, he's been dead. The smell will be terrible. Like don't pull it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jesus was going right into the stench. Okay. So think of all these things happening. Here we go. Well, first, before we get to the stench, it also says that Jesus wept. Oh, and yeah. you know what? Oh, like, like it's it's just again another moment to remind us that Jesus does identify with us oh, in our suffering, yeah. and it's so beautiful. And when he came to the earth to take on humanity, it was so that he could feel what we feel, and he he literally did take that on. So when it says Jesus wept, it doesn't just mean like it's not just a platit- a platitude. He literally is feeling the grief and loss and taking like it's empathy. It's incarnate. He's taking on the suffering of humanity and his own suffering of the love he has for his friend, for his friend. So he's taking all that on in the moment and allowing himself to feel all of that because he wants to identify with what it is that we feel in our suffering. And the scriptures actually say that he can identify with every form of suffering that we that we feel mm-hmm. and has as a human, which also makes him the best intermediary between us and the Father. It He makes intercession for us because he knows exactly the depth of which our suffering comes from. So we see Mary suffering differently than Martha, but we also see Jesus taking on suffering and taking on our suffering in this moment. And again, when you're in that place, like you can feel comforted that Jesus not only wants to elevate you from that suffering to himself, but he identifies with you in that suffering completely. So you don't suffer alone. And and that's our call, I think, in the body of Christ, that kind of love that he has for Mary and Martha and Lazarus that he's expressing out loud, like that's the kind of love that he wants us to have for each other. That when you are suffering, that I feel like that as if I'm suffering in the same way, that we would love like that. No one has greater love than he will lay down his life for his brother or his sister. This is what we're being invited Mm. into this beautiful, Mm. just family of caring and sharing and caring and sharing. (laughs) It sounds like a kid show. (laughs) No, but of genuinely sharing in each other's suffering. That's the beautiful part 
of this awful part of humanity, but Aww. the beautiful part of being a part of the family of God. Does oh, that make sense? Lord. Yeah, it but, totally does. Oh. And I think we actually need a whole other podcast to talk about like rolling the stone and the whole symbolism of all that. But even as you're saying that, like even as we look at, we've got, you know, this whole thing of the disappointment of them calling. So if we just even summarize, we've got them calling out to Jesus to come. He de- he says, although he, he loves them, he delays. He allows them to go through deep suffering. And then we see Mary, Martha, comes running out to meet him as soon as he comes. And Jesus, right there in that moment, allows her to up offload all the pain and all the suffering that she's been going through for four days, all the disappointment, all of it wrapped up. And but then, but then she says, But I know her faith rises into who he is and begins to have this beautiful dialogue. But then we go back and we see Mary that Jesus sees her in the house. She was so broken and caught she couldn't even come to jesus beyond broken even believing maybe she even bought into the lie that jesus didn't even love her anymore that maybe he's abandoned us like it's it's over like yeah who knows like yeah who knows but in that moment too which i think is really interesting she had people around her there were mourners with her community but realizing like yes we're meant to do life together but when jesus calls us no one can comfort us and speak to us like jesus we need one another but no one can take the place of our savior and he sees her in the house and he says i want to i want to speak to her and martha goes and gets her and says the the master wants to see you he wants to see you and then we have lazarus so jesus then weeps absorbs like he's absorbed in all this suffering and pain and love deep love for those that he's been walking with and cares about Mm -hmm. and then we not only have martha mary we got Lazarus who's dead, like literally dead in a tomb. And Jesus says, come out. Think of all of these things in our life. In our, We may not even be at the place where we're just broken and saying, God's abandoned me. We might literally be dead. And Jesus wants to resurrect you today. Like think of all of these places in the story, all these places in suffering, depths of suffering, depths of where we can find ourselves in life. And in all these circumstances, what does Jesus do? He comes and finds us and meets us. He meets Martha on the road. He calls Mary out of the house and he goes to the tomb and rolls it aside and calls Lazarus and resurrects him. Isn't that quite the story? Yes, it, it is. It really is. Like it's, yeah. And that's beautiful. I love all of those pieces, all those parts, because we probably are in one of those places. Yeah. We're probably either angry and bitter and disappointed or we're just overcome like oh just overcome and feeling like I have I I don't even I can't even I can't even deal with this I can't even face it or it's just died whatever that is that hope that desire that dream that promise it's just dead it's just dead and it's it's gone and Jesus literally wants to minute and calls out and ministers to each one very, very specifically and intentionally while taking it all upon himself, while identifying in every single scenario. It's very, very, very powerful. Very powerful. Wow. That's really, really good. That's really good. You know, there's a scripture in James that we often quote, James 1, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials of every kind. And, and we quote it a lot and it kind of sounds like, you know, this idea that even when we are struggling or suffering um, or going through difficulties that we're supposed to put a smile on our face and have joy. And, you know, I've been hearing 
over and over again just through a lot of different and random both like famous but also just you know intercessors in the church prophetic words around joy in suffering i don't know if you've heard this as well Mm -hmm. but like i've just been hearing this again and again that there's something about the next season that we're coming into in god and the culmination of the bride of christ the church as we sort of rise in our bridal all our bridal glory that there's going to come this great joy in the midst of suffering that there's going to be yes like trials and difficulties um for the church but that there's great joy in it and you know we've been quoting this other verse in philippians quite a lot about the privilege of suffering together Mm -hmm. and i i just feel like there's there is something prophetic about Mm -hmm this story about the reality of Jesus to us in the midst of the stages of our suffering, but also in also in what God is doing in this time and season in the body of Christ and in the church and for the church, a revelation around this. And I don't necessarily think that joy in our trials and joy in our tribulations and joy in our suffering means putting on a happy face and, you know, like, pretending like that suffering doesn't exist, but instead actually having a resolve, a deep, deep resolve in our spirit in the midst and being like Martha and saying, yes, this is my reality. This is what's happening, but I know you are able, but your promises remain, but and our eyes are fixed on Jesus and our eyes are fixed on eternity and our eyes are fixed on the promise that all things are being made new. And there's just this, I, I think there's a corporate coming together around this, around the sharing of one another's suffering, but a deep revelation of joy in the midst of that. And so there's something powerful about that. And I've just been hearing that again and again and again. People have been sending in words and I've been hearing people preach and people speak words like this about this time and this season in faith. And so that gives me a lot of hope as well in the midst of this this sort of waiting that we're in and this suffering that we're in, um, that God is revealing something about having joy in the midst of it and what that really means for us as a body of Christ. That is so powerful because it talks about also a scripture that Jesus said, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Right, there it is again. Scorning at shame. And when you look at the word joy, it is like a source of keen pleasure or delight. And it talks about God delighting in us. And when you think of Jesus for the joy set before him, it was like for the delight in obeying his father, but he saw the delight of the kingdom of us all being redeemed. It was like that pushed him through a vision of what was to come. And the joy and the suffering is not, like you're saying, I think that's so good that it's not pretending or being, feeling this like false sense of like, I've got to be happy or good. But it's like, I know there's an eternal kingdom purpose here. And when we have suffering, it really does produce in us this, there is an intimacy with Christ when we allow that. Because we have a choice. We can choose life or death in any circumstance, but suffering brings an immediate decision. You can choose the realm of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentfulness, hardening of heart, all of that. Or you can choose that paving of God. I bring, I put you as supreme over this. I'm willing to submit to this journey with all the honesty that that is there. It's not meaning look at Martha. She came and she's like, 
If you'd only been here. Yeah, Jesus wasn't shutting that down. That wasn't at all. That's not the message that we have to only bring, oh God, but we trust you. No, God wants us to bring all of our cares and concerns. Cast all your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. You know, all of it. It's about bringing that, but it ultimately is about saying, I know like Martha said, but I know even now you can do this. Even now, my faith is in who you are, the eternal perspective. So that joy is about that eternal shift, the vision of a long delight in what God, of catching the delight of God in what he has for us. We may not see it on this side, but what you're going through will not be in vain. What is allowed, this will have a purpose that God will allow through it if we allow God to work through it. Amen. It, Amen. It really is about that because if we get in there, it will only bring destruction. It will have no good come from it. But if we allow the goodness of God and who he is to flow through the suffering, it will bring a redemptive story. It will. And some, you know, I, I've read, I love to read many stories about the martyrs, about, you know, the persecuted church. I just finished the story not too long of Corey Ten Boom, The Hiding Place. Some of the most beautiful inspirational stories have come from the deepest suffering and how people have chosen to put their trust in God. We, I often talk about Hebrews. Hebrews 12 is one of those same thing. The beginning part of that chapter is all the victories and the other part is those that died without seeing the promise. But the promise was fulfilled. It's just the joy is the eternal perspective. The, the joy is that, God, you've got me. And there's a story you're going to write through this regardless of what it looks like you ultimately are writing a bigger story for the and i'm one piece of the significance of the body of christ of what you're doing but it's powerful what the greatest if we could stand at the end of our lives and look back the greatest testimonies and my greatest victories have come through suffering do i want that or do i like that no (laughs) none of us would choose suffering none of us choose pain or hardship but that is actually where the beautiful fruit comes yeah and god allows it he allows it yeah so we're not getting into the philosophy and the theology today of suffering but we are getting into that into the the heart of where suffering could bring us yeah so beautiful. and that's what the story shows us where suffering can bring us and you know we're brought each of those to the foot of jesus uh that's right and that that's incredible and that's yeah. the only exchange we could be is to yes. come and meet jesus yes. and to come when he calls that's yes. it like Jesus, Mary, Martha met him. Jesus came when he called and Mar- and Lazarus came out when Jesus called him. That That's the only thing, but he's the one. He's the only one that can walk us through suffering. So good. He's it's a common so denominator good. in every story that's in that chapter. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and very much as we're walking out the real life circumstances of what Martha and Mary had to walk out in this story, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Like we can't do this on our own. And no. again, when we choose our flesh and when we choose to kind of go at it our, in our own strength, it will not yield the same fruit as when we invite the Holy Spirit to be the helper and to be the comforter for us in the midst of our suffering. Yeah. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we actually can say it's a privilege to suffer together. Like we can actually say that with the help of the Holy Spirit. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can say it is pure joy that I get to suffer because it's producing endurance and perseverance for me on this race, on this earthly race that I'm on. My eyes are set on eternity, but without the Holy Spirit, no, it doesn't give us that perspective. So yeah. we again have to place our full reliance 
on the Holy Spirit to help us have an eternal perspective in the midst of our difficulties and in the midst of our trials and the midst of our suffering. Both because this will get us through no matter how deep our suffering is, no matter what story you want to put on the other side, like these stories that you read of these mm-hmm. martyrs, of the way that they had to suffer, who were tortured, who were imprisoned, who were every human right was taken from them, could still sit and say, I consider it pure joy that I could suffer for Christ. I mean, the scriptures tell us that that should be our joy, that we would suffer on behalf of Christ for the sake of Christ. But we can only do that with the help of the Holy Spirit in us, that we don't have that. We don't have that in our flesh. We don't have that in our natural natural mm. being we really don't we avoid mm. suffering at all costs we seek comfort at all costs in our natural being and so it is again a, a spiritual mindset and an, an invitation of the holy spirit to help us yes. and to be our strength and to give us the empowerment to be able to walk that out mm-hmm. but there is the promise there is the promise mm-hmm. and that resolve on the other side of that that mm-hmm. jesus loves you by name and that he suffers with you, mm-hmm. that he sees you in your, and can identify with your suffering, and that he's with you mm-hmm. in your suffering. And he's weeping with you. He's weeping with you. Yeah. And cry, broken with you, like watching this world. Yeah. You know, a broken world. His yeah. plan. Look, we have to always remember his plan and purposes are working through broken people in a broken world. Yeah full of sin and bondage, but God, but God. And so today as you're listening, we don't know the depth of what you've been through, what you're facing today. And we don't ever want to minimize the depth of suffering and where it can bring us on our journey in that depth of pain. That is, can be beyond, but even the abyss, like a tomb, even in the home where we're stuck and even on the road of wrestling out, God, where were you? But I believe you can. He is there with you. And so may you feel today the anchoring hope that Jesus has not left you and sees you, just as you've said, Lori, that he loves you. And I love that that's right at the beginning of that chapter, that although he loved them, that although, so number one, may that be the anchoring point for your heart today, that God loves you. Suffering is not because he has turned his back on you. The delay is not because he's abandoned you. He is working all things together for your good. And in this suffering, there may not be any good in your suffering. Like <laughs> we're not saying that, but in and through the goodness of God will do in you something that is supernatural because it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit that's supernatural that anything good can come from deep suffering. And so we put our reliance on God. And so we're praying for you today. Whatever you're facing, we want you to know that God loves you and we're praying for you. You're not alone. You may feel lonely. I encourage you to reach out to someone. If you're not connected to a church, connect, make a phone call, get online, reach out, reach out because we need one another. But even in our reaching out, it goes to show us so even in the story that only Jesus though can meet that deep place, that deep place of our heart. And so as much as we can reach out to others, may you reach out first and foremost to him because he is with you and loves you. So, so good. And hold fast. Yes. Hold fast in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle and what you're going going through. Hold fast and, and get your eyes fixed on eternity and get your eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of it because he is with you. Thank you for joining us today on the Awakening Moments podcast. We pray that you are filled with hope and joy as you navigate the challenges of life. And we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast or share it with your friends. And remember, you are so loved by God and he is always with you.